Welcome to Future of Flushing, your go-to all-you-can-eat buffet of Mets player development news, information, and recaps. I'm Vito Khaleesi. With me is John Barron. John, I'm proud of myself because I didn't say Vito Khaleesi me that time, and I felt it almost come out. But, John, you know what I want to know first? What's that? How was your first weekend as a dad? It was a lot of fun, Vito. It was, um, you know, we you get to know the baby a little bit more each and every day. And, um, you know, it's kind of like a developing prospect down in the minor leagues. There's good days. There's bad days. Um, but the, the big goal is what the, the eye is, what the eye is trained on. So she's great. Um, and it was a great weekend in the Mets player development system. So great weekend overall. No complaints here whatsoever. Would you say child development isn't linear? I would say child development is anything but linear. It is very, very day to day, um, but nothing but good days this weekend. Nothing but good days so far. It's been a week since we recorded with me live from the hospital. Um, that was crazy. What a, I mean, <laughs> dude, time flies by when you are raising a child. I don't know if there's, I'm sure there's listeners out there that can relate. It is wild, man. Like it's just. Where where are the days going? It's crazy. I don't know. Before we move on to talk about some Syracuse Mets baseball, my last dad John question is, have you seen your daughter like noticeably get bigger each day? I think so. I mean, she definitely always looks different each day, which is one thing that I've noticed and my wife has noticed as well. Uh, she's been a really, really good eater. Nice. Um, so we, we know that she's growing. Like Christian Scott. Like Christian Scott. Exactly. The legend of Christian Scott is growing. If you haven't Checked out the interview yet. Vito and I talked to Christian Scott last week. Definitely check it out. Good stuff on the Mets YouTube and on the Future of Flushing podcast stream. But yeah, you you can see and feel the development like many of the prospects in the Mets minor league system. I, I know I keep trying to tie the two <laughs> together, but it's kind of the same concept in a way. It's sort of not really, but you get what I'm saying. No, I think everybody gets it. I think everybody appreciates that even though we're talking about some personal life stuff, you're trying to make sure that the people understand there is like a little thread between you raising a child and the Mets raising the baby Mets. Something like that. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, let's talk about the Syracuse Mets who had a big weekend this weekend. They went three and one. Joey Lucchese, seven strong innings on Friday night. Yeah, Joey Lucchese continues to pitch well for the Syracuse Mets. David Peterson pitched well in his last outing. So the Syracuse Mets definitely have some arms if the Mets need to turn to AAA in order to make a spot start here or there. There's plenty of options. We should also mention congrats to Danny Mendick, who had been playing well, who had been catching our attention. He obviously gets promoted to the Mets on Saturday after the Eduardo Escobar deal. And if we're going to talk about guys, we should give a little congratulations to Grant Hartwig has looked really great over his first week in the major leagues. Another two strong and another two strong, another two strong innings against the Phillies on Sunday. Yeah, Grant Hartwig, we obviously spoke about him a bunch here on the podcast, had the chance to spend some time with Grant. It's spring training, and it's great to see Grant performing in the big leagues right now. So far, hasn't allowed a run yet, got his first career strikeout on Sunday afternoon, and hopefully he'll be making that big city field debut upcoming this week with the Mets starting a seven-game homestand. So great to see Grant. Also great to see the Syracuse Mets have a strong weekend. They played a doubleheader on Saturday. They swept that doubleheader. Syracuse clubbed four homers. In game one of the doubleheader, Mark Vientos had one of those, now has 15 home runs in AAA. In game two, Luke Ritter also homered. That's now 18 homers for Luke Ritter and four already with Syracuse. So 
when he got the promotion after the three homer game a few weekends ago and time really is flying by kind of feels like yesterday but it's been what two three weeks now the question was is luke ritter going to be able to continue to hit for power at the triple a level and the answer to this point has been yes Vito. yeah and it looks like luke ritter is really turning out to be quite the prospect uh some other notes from this weekend Steven Ridings pitched another scoreless innings for Syracuse in game two. Nate Lavender pitched a scoreless inning on Sunday, lowered his ERA to 2.3. Yeah, Nate Lavender, another one of the players drafted by the Mets in 2021, having big seasons so far, got off to a great start for Binghamton this year, promoted to Syracuse, and he's been good through 14 games. He's already made 21 appearances overall this season. That comes on the heels of a really strong 2022 campaign. So a college arm who's gotten himself already to the precipice of the major leagues at AAA. We've seen the Mets dip into the minor league system in recent weeks. Think of Josh Walker, obviously Grant Hartwick, who we just mentioned, who have contributed at the major league level. Nate Lavender could be another one of those guys in the coming weeks and months. So why don't we move over to Binghamton? And before we get really into Binghamton, we should mention there was a trade this weekend. The Mets traded Eduardo Escobar for two minor league pitchers, Coleman Crow and Landon Marceau. Now, Landon Marceau did pitch for the Rumble Ponies this weekend. If you look at his line, you might be a little worried to start. You might be thinking, oh, my God, what happened? This guy gave up five runs in his first game for the Rumble Ponies. But remember, it, there's so many outside factors, one being this guy just moved across the country and then had to get right into a game playing for his new organization. I wouldn't look at that as something to freak out about day one. Give it time. Let things fester. But Mark and James talked about this trade a lot more on the Mets Up podcast. James really went in deep on Coleman Crow. So you could go over there and listen to some more information. We're not going to go too deep on that. Yeah, the big trade came down during the Mets game on Friday night. And both the arms that the Mets acquired in the deal, Crow and Marceau, Immediately going to the Mets' top 30 prospect rankings, according to MLB Pipeline. Coleman Crow, number 11 overall. Landon Marceau, number 18. Crow, a little older, a little closer to the big leagues, was drafted out of high school. He's now 22 years old. He's in his fourth season of pro ball. So Coleman Crow, possibly a guy who could make an impact, and we'll see when he makes his Binghamton Rumble Ponies debut. He's currently on the injured list, but in the four starts he made for the Rocket City Trash Pandas, by the way, elite minor league team name, uh, he was really good with a 1.88 ERA across those four starts. So definitely an exciting arm and definitely a big move by the Mets where they moved a player from the major league roster who his job kind of dissipated a little bit with Brett Beatty, Danny Mendick being called up. And the Mets turned that asset into two exciting young arms, just adding depth to the minor league player development system, especially when it comes to right-handed arms. Yeah, and that's something that, you know, Steve Cohen and management said they were going to focus on. They're going to find ways to make trades and deal with what they have. And I think Mets fans should be really excited to see something like that come across, especially ahead of the deadline. Like, it's always exciting to see teams making moves, not on that final day, that last sprint. Um, but some other notes for the Bumble Pony. But some other notes of the Rumble Ponies. It wasn't the best of weekends for them. They did go one and three. But some standouts, you know, Wyatt Young did have three hits in the doubleheader on Sunday. Brandon McIlwain hit a game-tying home run in the ninth inning on Saturday to send the game into extras. The Ponies were trailing 3-0 at one point. And the biggest thing about that home run, obviously, aside from the fact that it was a clutch home run, it was also Brandon McIlwain's seventh home run this season. That already matches his total from all of last year and fewer played appearances, games played, you name it. So Brandon McIlwain has made strides, leaps and bounds improvements from last year. 
He's a guy we've spoken about. He's always made hard contact, an elite athlete, played college quarterback, a D1 athlete, South Carolina, Cal. We're not talking flag football here. The question was, how much contact can Brandon McIlwain make? And he's been making a lot more contact, and it's showing up in the box score each and every night. Sorry for our D1 flag football players out there if you got a little bit insulted by John uh, coming at you. I know that it's a pretty competitive sport, but I don't want anybody to be offended, John. I don't like those hot takes like that. Um, you know what? I shouldn't be hot taking a 942 on a Sunday night. You're right. <laughs> Mia culpa. Uh, and another big performer this weekend was Luis Moreno, pitched in relief on Sunday, originally scheduled to start, but Landon Marshall started instead. And John, you wanted to go a little bit deeper into Luis Moreno's performance. Yeah, we've talked a lot about Tyler Stewart. We've talked a lot about Christian Scott. We've talked a lot about Blade Tidwell, Mike Vassell, obviously. Luis Moreno, of late, has been performing in a way that all four of those guys have also been performing, which is to say, absolutely lights out. On Sunday in relief, Moreno threw four scoreless innings. And now if we go back to June 9th, he's allowed just three runs in 22 innings of work. That comes out to an ERA of 123. He has 28 strikeouts to only eight walks in the span, no homers allowed, and a ground ball rate over 50%. So after a really strong 2022 season where Luis Moreno started to garner the attention of scouts and prognosticators, he's been following it up, had a bit of a rough start to the year, but the last four starts for Moreno, he's been as good as he could be. Just fantastic work by the young right-hander. So let's talk about the Cyclones now. The Cyclones had an amazing weekend, John. They went 3-0. and They made it four straight over Hudson Valley overall. Uh, 6-1 win on Friday. 2-0 win on Saturday. 2-1 walk-off win on Sunday. But the thing I was the most excited to do was actually sit down on Friday night and watch Tidwell pitch. Struck out nine over six innings. Has a 1.35 ERA and a 35% strikeout rate in the span. I mean, that game was a real blast to watch. Yeah, for the Cyclones over the weekend, the name of the game was run prevention. They allowed a total of just two runs in the weekend sweep. Like you mentioned, after losing the first two games to Hudson Valley, they win four straight. They've started the second half with a 3-0 record, and it's been all about the pitching, especially this weekend. Well, actually, I don't know if we should say that. On Friday night, Kevin Parada went deep twice. Kevin Parada has been white hot at the plate. Alex Ramirez had a pair of hits. Billy Barrels, as we like to call him on the show, homered again after he parked one into the Brooklyn night with you on hand on Thursday. So William Lugo heating up a little bit. And then, of course, to cap it off on Friday night, Paul Gervais comes in, throwing heat, repping the LSU Tigers. Go Tigers! They play a game <laughs> three tomorrow. Winner, winner take all in the College World Series against Florida. Definitely check that out. Paul Gervais strikes out three. So on Friday, the Cyclones had it all working. And like I said, it was all about run prevention. A shutout win on Saturday and a two-to-one win, walk-off victory style on Sunday. And on Sunday, Jose Quintana made his Brooklyn debut, his third rehab start while he's getting ready to finally debut for the Mets in Flushing, tossed four innings of one-run ball, and I think the standout that people are really loving on Twitter was minor league baseball. You get a lot of specialty uniforms. You get a lot of promo nights, which we all love here. Sunday was Paw Patrol Day. Children got a Paw Patrol backpack, which resulted in and Jose Quintana wearing a special Paw Patrol jersey in that Brooklyn debut, and that was very exciting, John. Yeah, I was trying to watch a little footage of Quintana's outing, just see how he looked, how the mechanics were looking, and it was kind of one of those pause, zoom in, took a closer look, and like, pause. Is that Paw Patrol? And I'm going to be honest, I don't really know Paw Patrol. You will soon. I know. I guess now it's the kind of thing that I should become uh, more familiar with, 
So I had to, I had to Google it, and lo and behold, it was Paw Patrol. So it's the beauty of minor league baseball, like you said. A longtime major league veteran can go make a rehab start at an affiliate at any time on any day, and he could be wearing a rockin' jersey, a SpongeBob. A Seinfeld jersey. A Seinfeld jersey. It could be anything. Some other notes from the Cyclones this weekend. Brendan Hardy tossed two scoreless, has allowed no earned runs in 8.2 innings pitch with Brooklyn. And Omar De Los Santos scored the winning run on a wild pitch. Omar De Los Santos has been on fire as of late. And, you know, every time that kid is hitting, I just say, I'm glad he didn't quit baseball that day. 2022 Florida State League MVP. You don't win an award like that without having some serious tools. And that's a perfect time to move on to the St. Lucie Mets where he won that Florida League MVP. Uh, St. Lucie had a tough weekend because of the rain, had some doubleheaders, some suspensions, but uh, standouts from that. Wilmer Flores, his cousin Saul Garcia, who we've mentioned on the show before, talks about that relationship, struck out nine hitters in four innings on Friday. And Wilfredo Lara had a double and a homer on Friday. And Wilfredo Lara with a double and a home run on Friday. Yeah, the range is not cooperating at all in that Kind of South Florida region, not quite South Florida. I guess this was a Jupiter series where the Hammerheads and the St. Lucie Mets were set to do action this weekend. Um, but I guess that's just kind of what happens, you know, especially as the, the summer deepens. We are now officially in the summer. The weather is rough. So Saturday got rained out. They tried to play a doubleheader on Sunday. They got one game in and the second game was not finished. The second game for all those wondering was suspended in the fourth inning. Jupiter up one nothing, and they will actually resume that game next month at Clover Field. So they're just trying to complete the game. But Vito, the biggest takeaway, and I think this could kind of be a, a nightly thing now with us, Ooh. is just updating the listeners on where Jet Williams' on-base percentage stands. The 19-year-old in the Florida State League, two, three years younger than the league average age in the Florida State League, drafted last year, as we've said many times, 14th overall the on-base percentage veto is 422 i mean like i know it's obvious when you look at the number but that's close to half it, it's literally close to half you want to talk about ways to win ball games you get on base that's the best way to score runs that's what jet williams does and he's only going to get stronger he's only going to get bigger he's only going to get more comfortable he's already shown pop he had a he laced a double in a major league spring training game jet williams is a dude and because Jet Williams is a dude, I think it's a good time to debut an interview we recorded with him back in spring training. So, yes, it's not going to be the most recent of interviews, but it's still cool to hear him. He talks to us about his goals for the season so you can hear where he is now and where he thought he would be a few months ago. Talks about where he got his name from and a very interesting connection he has to a major league player that you would not expect. I was blown away when he said it. I It was the last name I was expecting to hear. But very neat and very interesting. And it's fascinating to listen to what Jet Williams had to say when we spoke to him back in March and listen to his mindset. Because now we know where he is right now, an on-base percentage of 422. The things he was thinking about and working on before the season started, which has been so great, unless you're a batting average hugger. In that case, it hasn't been great. And this is a great example of why batting average is a statistic that no one should default to looking at. Because Jet Williams is having a great season. He set lofty goals like you mentioned Vito and even if he doesn't hit every goal numerically on the nose he's still having a fantastic season and I've said it before I'll say it again the, the kid oozes confidence the kid oozes confidence there's no one that's going to outwork Jet and there's no one out there who's got more swagger than Jet Williams 
And some other things to note before we wrap this one up. Simone Juan went five for eight over the weekend for the FCL Mets with a double. And Willie Fanyas has hit safely in five straight games, four extra base hits and two home runs in that time. Fanyas' FCL Mets teammate Jesus Bias also had a big weekend, went four for 10, a double and a homer. And Jose Chirinos, a name we've mentioned, six strikeouts and two and two thirds innings of work for DSL Orange on Saturday. He started his season with a one two nine ERA. That's two earned runs allowed in 14 innings. Now, Vito, I know that we were going to wrap things up, but I got to just bring one thing up before we go. I okay. need to bring it up. Okay. There was a, a graphic, an image floating around baseball Twitter over the weekend of a proposed trade, but there was one thing in particular on there, and it was that it said Blake Tidwell. Blake Tidwell has reached a level where if you live in Brooklyn, you live in the five boroughs, you're hanging out. Maybe you want to change it up, a little variety in your life. You're feeling some minor league ball. Every time Blade Tidwell's on the mound, right now that should be must-watch TV for Mets fans. The way that I felt when Noah Syndergaard was pitching for AAA Las Vegas when he was a, a young prospect or when Matt Harvey was making starts with the Buffalo Bisons televised on SNY. Whenever I could get my eyes on those two as, as, as youngsters in the minor leagues, I was watching. And when you see the depth, the break, the sharpness on Blade Tidwell's slider, the way he just beats opposing hitters with a four-seam fastball. It's must-watch TV, but we must get the name right. Get the name right. It's Blade Tidwell. Thank you all for listening. Go check out our interview with Christian Scott that's available on YouTube. It's available on our audio stream. Really great interview. It's really fun to watch Christian Scott pitch. That's another guy that you should be putting all of your nightly duties aside to go watch on the MLB app. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you all in the future. And now, some stock music to brighten your morning. <laughs> 